0: Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.
2: Welcome to the Delicious Podcast Extra Portion with me, Jillie Smith. This week we're at WOMAD with an edited version of a panel discussion I hosted at the World of Words tent at the end of last month. I was discussing the role of festivals in bringing us new flavours, ethics and ideals with the Saturday morning audience and four of the traders at this summer's cornucopia of street food stalls. Brian Osborne from Madras Cafe, which has been at the festival every year for the last 25 years. Helen Holroyd from Simply Vegan was here celebrating her very first year. Amy Philip Price was on the panel too from the award-winning Dosa Deli and Mike Weatherall of Paella started the discussion by telling us about his journey from cool London 90s restaurant Cigala to festival head thanks to one of his former customers creator of festival DJ Rob debank
3: well Rob used to be a regular customer and an old friend and uh, yeah he suggested that we started catering at uh, at festival probably about 10 years ago and that's how we sort of started um moving into sort of festival catering
2: and at that time festival food for those of you who were there was not something that you would pay a lot of money for um one of rob's ideas was to actually make food at festivals worth coming to festivals
3: for it was they wanted it to be a part of the you know to make the the festival something that would have food as well as uh, you know music and i think that it really worked for us. Yeah, because everything.
2: I mean, at, at that time, you know, you'd be incarcerated in a festival for a whole weekend and have to bring your own sandwiches, wouldn't you? Because it was pretty dire in terms of ingredients and and also creativity.
3: Absolutely, yeah. No, it it, uh, it was it opened our eyes to see you know the amount of trade that we could do as well, cooking actual food that. You know a lot of people just were very happy to see us cooking as opposed to having burgers or whatever that was on offer before then
2: take us back to cigala in 1999 in bloomsbury to give us a flavor of what you were achieving at that time what london was like this sort of food hub this developing food hub
3: yeah it was great i mean Jake, my business partner at the time uh, and all of the, the team of, of pilaria uh, we were sort of bringing more more modern sort of spanish food so that There was a lot of tapas bars in London that were much more traditional. Uh, And we sort of pared it down and just had a very simple menu of sort of Spanish classics. And uh, paella was one of them. And, uh, yeah, it was exciting.
2: And those of you, I'm sure most of you know what London was doing in the 1990s. It was um, kind of not what festivals were doing. There was an increasing number of chefs coming with influences. They were travelling a lot and bringing lots of really interesting uh, ideas to London, trying them out there. In, increasing a food literacy amongst a, a growing sort of London crowd um, who would then come to festivals demanding that kind of food, which takes us back to the Rob de Bank and
3: Absolutely, his original
2: yeah. idea. Yeah?
3: Well, I think they, they, were, they were very good at encouraging quite a few different traders to sort of show up at the festival and they would find them from going to restaurants and sort of inviting people in and uh, yeah it was an exciting time.
2: And, at, and of course once you have really good food at festivals the competition increases so it ups the game.
3: Absolutely, yeah we were extremely busy from the get-go and uh, eventually after a couple of years we just decided to, to sell the restaurant and, and stick with festivals.
2: Helen um, as, as a first timer at WOMAD, do you want to give us a little bit of background about how you got here?
4: I just phoned up on the off chance, thinking the vegan food was perhaps, maybe there'd be some here but not what I'm doing I'm do, doing more like a fast food vegan style food. The biggest thing for me, the problems we're facing in the world today, and we're food shortages and problems all over the world. When you're breeding like 70 billion animals a year, you know, ten times the population of all the people on this planet, and they all need food. I don't see how you can expect to bring that many males onto this planet artificially, and expect to keep the balance. You need to get rid of that. And, and I think everything can fix itself. There's enough food being grown to feed the world population.
2: Um, Amy, let me turn to you with Dosa Deli. It's very bright and shiny and social mediaed up and you're part of curb Mm. which looks after street food in london in particular Mm. and you're doing extremely well give us a little background of how you got to where you are Uh, Six years ago, me and my husband used to work for the same company, uh,
5: organising festivals and events and conferences, and we were made redundant. It was a difficult time. We went to the Dole office, realised that it's not quite as easy to collect benefits as everybody makes out, and we thought... um, We had our fingers burnt by working for other people and wanted to start something ourselves. And Being in London, we saw this street food revolution starting, and we'd always had a passion for cooking, and particularly Indian cooking having been to India previously Um, and we we wanted to do something we were passionate about so we decided upon uh, doses we realized there wasn't really many people in London there's pockets of London tooting Wembley where doses are but um, it's not um, so much seen on the streets uh, in the UK so we we did our research and we made loads of mistakes absolutely loads of mistakes nobody taught us how to make doses everybody always comes to the store and says who taught you how to make doses particularly the indian community they find it fascinating Mm. that two white guys are Mm. are making indian um, doses and um we taught everything ourselves and we uh, we learnt um through practice and now we go back to india every year and and research and write down new recipes new ideas everything's authentic um but maybe with a little twist um uh so we we twist it up and and change it a bit
2: yeah and we'll talk about the fact that everybody on the panel is actually white british (laughs) looking foreign food um not necessarily helen actually but we'll talk about that in a minute but importantly you come from a logistics background and your Mm. husband comes from a sales background Mm. and unfortunately the fifth member of this panel Phaedra from Thai Love couldn't be here today because she has such staffing issues you have made a huge success with Dosa Deli because you kind of knew what you were doing before you kind of came in is that True. I mean, I know you started with very little expectations, but tell us a little bit about how you've been as successful as you've been.
5: Yeah. So we uh, we used to work with um, uh, large organisers organising festivals like Car Fest, uh, Big Festival, and we understand what it's like to be on the other side, to be the organiser asking for forms, and and um, so we can empathise with organiser. Um, it helped. It's helped us to get into festivals. I think, um, I mean, we applied for Glastonbury first time and got in. No one else was doing doses and the vegetarian and vegan and gluten-free element of what we were doing really helped us to give us a USP. Um, I think that if you're wanting to get into the festival industry, then um, being incredibly practical is really important. Um, being able to cope with things that get thrown at you and um all of our stall is handmade um my husband's incredibly practical and very creative and he paints everything all of our frontages and and comes up with ways to build things and um if you're not practical then you'll end up having to pay someone else to do it which makes it more challenging
2: yeah um last coming to brian um, so, Brian, you've been here right from the beginning. You've seen how Festival Food has changed at WOMAD. Um A little bit of background about you first, though, and it, uh, importantly, your relationship with Action Village India. Well, I
6: went to India in 1968 when I was 18 and stayed for four years working and, and came back and, and went to university as a so-called mature student. And, and that was when we started doing fairs in East Anglia. It was, it was where we kind of picked up a lot of skills that we've we've used now although we're just doing food and then um a, so a friend of ours from india said why don't we get together and do something put something back and we formed uh, action, what is effectively action village india now 92 i came here with a colleague with a few leaflets and some chai uh to Reading, of course as it was then and 25 years later, here, here we are you know with a with a, with a full-size restaurant um
2: yeah. Now you use your popularity, your success to educate people about what's happening in India and by so doing really ex- open up the whole issue of ingredients and the relationship between food and poverty and food and ownership of land. So you're standing in, as we were last night, a very long queue at Madras Cafe, reading lots of mm. the posters, picking up lots of it literature, uh, because that's what you do. Mm. You have organised your tent so that people go through this mm. Bank of desks with very educated and aware uh, volunteers. Mm. You rely on volunteers to educate yeah. your public. Tell us a bit about how much how central that is to your ethos.
6: Well, I think that when my, my partner and I and a couple of other people from from East Essex, when we thought of doing this more seriously in about ninety three and ninety <clears throat> four, we based it on an old phrase that again comes from the seventies of agitprop cafes, which um, may, may people have heard or not. There was, there was, in those days, there was one in Oxford, Zahura, there was one in Edinburgh, and there was the Africa Centre in Covent Garden where they mixed food and political propaganda to sort of put over all sorts of issues about the country's concern. And that's what we really wanted to do, was to do, was to do um, agitprop. The food very quickly took over. So we do have our exhibition and we try very hard. We, we, we had uh, one at the moment is quite interesting about women, We've done one on human rights, which was quite hard-hitting. We did one on food sovereignty, which is a again as I said to you it's what I call an iceberg issue.
2: Yeah and that word iceberg is really interesting Um, you know and it's my job as a food journalist to chip away at that iceberg um, and and reveal the the stories behind the food and you know we just very very briefly touched on some of the crucial issues and it is everything from what Helen was talking about our relationship with meat uh, you know and I wonder how we'll ask the, the audience as well what people think about farming post-Brexit. Let's just talk briefly about the relationship between foodies and food. Is increasing food literacy uh, a good thing? does it lead to education projects like Helen and Brian are talking about? Does it mean that people can come to places, well, not just WOMAD, I mean, who, was it who does 15 festivals? One of you? No, I think Phaedra does, was doing 15, which is probably why she's not here right now, on her knees. Um, you know, th- you go to pretty much any festival, I mean, Wilderness now sells itself on, on great food. The question is, are we fetishising food, or are we using food to chip away at that iceberg that Brian referred to, and open up those issues of food helen do you want to say something
4: about that we're a growing number of people on this planet it doesn't mean we can carry on doing the same thing yeah. there's no point going back to oh we ate meat a thousand years ago this has got nothing to do with now and traditions and all these things we we need to move on you know we're, we're changing mm-hmm. the world's changing we've got to change and i think to be honest the fundamental part of this is going to have to be um, will be eventually however long it takes i don't know but we won't be seeing animal Agriculture mm. for the foreseeable future. One of the big but issues we is
2: intensive farming. And Mike, how can you make sure that the ingredients you use, because you do use meat?
3: We do use meat. I think, are we the only ones? here that yeah. oh, serving so yeah. me yes uh, I think that, that, <laughs> you uh, don't have
2: to apologize Plenty my people.
3: my <laughs> my, uh, my greater concern normally is having a spaniard a spanish person coming up and saying why have you got chorizo in your pie not the uh, yeah. which is you know very controversial but yeah. uh, we've we've had to change our recipes to make pie more sort of appealing to the, the english festival going crowd we do about i think we've got 40 shows booked between the two three teams that we've got so, what uh, about the
2: ingredients? How can you be sure? Well, we source everything
3: from Spain. Our pile of rice is is from just near Valencia, uh, and we've been to, to where it's uh, you know just by Valencia. There's uh, the Albufera, which is where all the rice is grown, and we source it. But the chorizo, is a problem when you're sourcing chorizo. We get our chorizo, and we try very hard to make sure. But it, obviously, animal welfare in, in Spain is it is definitely an issue. I think we we do spend a lot on our chorizo, and we're obviously. It's difficult, though, to know exactly how, how well the, the the pigs have been kept. We do have a vegan paella. We, and more and more, over the last sort of ten years, we're selling much more of it. Mm. So the meat now is actually, sometimes at some shows, less than 50% of what we sell is, is our meat paella. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but we've noticed a definite change and a switch towards the yeah. more vegan food. You know, have had to switch it. As I said, we started off doing arroz negro and recipes that were very sort of traditional. Uh, but they didn't sell particularly well, so we've sort of, you know, as we've grown, we've, we've had to sort of tailor our, our menu to, to the festival crowd.
6: Well, what-
4: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. Yeah.
2: What are the things about? Britain is that we are fantastically open-minded and we are a very diverse nation we do mix it up and it doesn't have to be authentic it can be creative it can be Absolutely. based on well let me just ask you Amy first you know do people come to you and talk to you about that less but better more plant based diet because it's all vegetarian isn't
5: it? Yeah we actually started as meat eaters both me and my husband and found that the vegetarian options that we offered were more popular and, um, and so we gradually switched and and I suppose it's a natural evolution the pair of us have become vegetarian and actually we eat predominantly plant based and um we found, uh, uh, you know, we've added the word vegan to our menu boards as an option, and we're finding the vegan options are more popular. I think uh, coming from trading in London and doing lots of markets at, in the city of London at Gherkin and Paddington, um, it's very different to the f- to the festival industry. Uh, the the queues for the fried chicken are ridiculous, and and we can't compete with those in London. We come to a festival, um, particularly like WOMAD, Shambhala. Green man, and um, we can we can do better than those. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's it's I think partly because people come to a festival and they want to try something different. They're willing to try something different. They maybe trust the the food hygiene of a vegetarian yeah. still better as well. Um, and they're willing, really, you know, the music here is really diverse and that matches the food. Yeah, it's, it's completely different
2: to the outside world. Absolutely. Before we go to QA, Brian, do you feel that you are the, the best person to do the job that you do?
6: We, most of our cooks have uh, an Asian background. Um, two of them have a cooking school in South India and come and go every six months. The others are of British Asian origin, my partner uh, is a Gujarati. We we're trying to bring on some young people under the tutelage of um, uh, some of the older ladies uh, who've been around for years. I mean, it's quite sweet. We've got photos of 25-year-old white boys being uh, told off by <laughs> Jasu Ben, one of our larger Gujarati cooks, who's just brilliant. And, and we, ha- we did have an 85-year-old auntie, we used to call her, who somebody brought along a few years ago. And we had to retire in the end because she just wouldn't stop working. We just cook all day long, um, and it's, it, by Sunday afternoon, legs are starting to go like this, and luckily we have an acupuncturist as one of our volunteers, and there's lo- loads of people laid out in the truck with needles stuck in their calves to stop them falling over. It's very important for us that we have a very mixed group. We have volunteers from Switzerland, Spain, uh, France, uh, we've had some from Nicaragua, uh, India, we've had volunteers from India. Uh, that's another whole side of what we do, but it's, it's, it's very important that we have that kind of real mix of people.
2: Who's got a question for any of the panel gentlemen standing there?
6: Okay, I'd, I'd just like to say
1: that I farm in Northumberland, and I've got land that'll only grow grass. And in my arable rotation, I need to grow grass. And from that grass, which won't do anything else but produce a really high-quality high welfare food and it's 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 lamb and it's beef the whole of this vegan thing says all meat is industrial you know it's not we we can produce really healthy food really pure food really clean food from grass and it's meat we're getting short of resources in the world my grass is a resource that we can use to boost high quality feed the animals get a good life it is ended as gently as possible. I think there's improvements could be made there, but um, I think we need to be doing that in order to feed the world. And I
4: think we're low on resources in the world because we're breeding and feeding 70 billion land animals a year. That, that, that yeah, that is not, not by That's this, a major this This, th-
1: this system is not using these resources. This system is using grass that has no other I use. I know, but
4: I'm talking about the overriding system that actually feeds yeah. the millions of people in this world. You're, kicking, you're kicking
1: my system out. You're kicking a safe system out.
4: There's everything you can do. I ran a food business. I changed it. We can eat a different food. Every Your business could change to growing vegetables, organic food. It, 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 you, you can change it. I did it. Anybody could do it. It's supply and demand. It's what we ask for. It's what's got to be produced. If we stop asking for it, we can produce something else.
2: Yes? I'm a vegan myself, and I just wondered... I know you touched on about sort of um, having conversations with people and raising awareness, and I just wondered, how do you do that in a way that doesn't come across as sort of I know better than you or I have more... You know, How do you do that in a positive way? And also, how do you link that to issues in low-income countries? Because I think that sometimes the topic that's often missed from the vegan conversation is the impact that um, factory farming and kind of mass meat production has not only here but in low income in countries or middle income countries like brazil where a lot of the uh, farmland is now used for kind of mass producing burgers and beef and things like that
4: yeah thank you to that one? Yeah, Helen? understanding we've all been there um we've been brought up this way don't blame. We don't point the finger. I was there. I can't blame. I was there. I did the same thing. So it's education. It's understanding and talking to each other and not arguing about the point and and doing gently. You're not forcing. You're not blaming anybody. You can see that we've been brought up this way. It's not our fault. Everything has targeted us to think this way and do this way as if it's okay. Amy, let me turn to you. I think as a, as a caterer, as a cook, it's All
5: I have is my menu board and my name to get out to people, but it's my job to show people that vegetarian and vegan food can be tasty. Um, And all I hope is that uh, my favourite customer is a, a really big meat eater that says, no, no, all I do is eat meat. And they walk away and they come back and tell me it was really tasty and they never eat anything vegetarian. And then I've done my job. Um, I I can't get my personal message, I feel, in what I do across to people. But if they walk away and enjoy the food, then I've done my job.
6: Brian? It's education. I mean, I'm quite happy to stand up and say I know better than you. You know, I I mean, there are some... Because if I don't tell people that, they'll go on harming the things that I care about.
2: Lady there. I am a meat eater. I don't eat a lot of meat. doesn't matter whether I eat a lot or a little. But, you know, our protein... You, know, you talk about eating beans, you talk about eating lentils, I presume, and nuts, all those things. But mostly those are predominantly imported foods. I think local food is a really important thing. We should be eating what this country can produce first and foremost. We shouldn't be taking the lentils from the mouths of the Indians. We shouldn't be importing so- soya beans from America. You know, we should be thinking about what this country can produce. And I think that's a really important mantra. And probably more important than whether you're a vegan, vegetarian, or a meat eater. Any questions for Mike here, who's the <laughs> only person who's who's cooking meat here? Anything about travel? Who's been to amazing countries and brought back this thirst and appetite for for new foods, which uh, are being delivered by all of them? Lady in the front here. Um, I just got back from Mexico, and the street food there is incredible. The
5: yeah, and the skills. Is incredible to watch. But they do eat a lot of meat, it is everywhere. Um, but the one thing I did notice is the, the lack of regulations and how that didn't affect the food at all. Does that affect your business, the amount of regulations? And regulations,
3: I think, kind of help, really. Health. If you're working, like we did as many festivals as we do, the, the regulations tend to just make things easier, really. Uh, I mean, if food hygiene, if all of my team are trained to a certain level. As you were saying about your 13-year-olds your, uh, that no food safety like the back of the hand. My son's 21. He's been working with us for quite a few years. Uh, you know, I think it's just safe, makes life easier. Food is safe. And uh, regulations don't slow us down at all. Yep. And handling meat, to be honest. We, we do uh, use chicken... But we have it all butchered off-site and brought to us. So in, in terms of the actual handling of it in the unit, we don't do any of that. So uh, I, I, we, yeah. when we started off doing paella, we, we traveled around Spain quite a lot. We fell in love with paella as well as s- selling it at restaurants in London. And uh, as, as we started cooking it, we were making our own chicken stock at, at the paella every day. And these kind of things we, we've stopped doing because it's obviously much more difficult to, to do it in a safe sort of way. So. Yeah, but we, uh, regulations don't bother us at all. Uh,
6: could I just say that I think in, in this issue, as in so many others, we have a, obviously a pro- very progressive audience at festivals, uh, and I hope your readers are progressive. What I worry with all of the issues that we're concerned with is that the, the, the finer points take up much of the argument. And from to relate it back to Madras Cafe and the concerns of Action Village India, vegan, vegetarian wouldn't bother me so much as people getting one meal or no meals we can get waylaid by some of the top-end argument when the real arguments um, um, are affecting the very people whose food we have stolen white cooks or otherwise
2: thank you very much indeed um so brian from madras cafe um amy from dosa delhi uh, mike from Paelleria and helen from simply vegan thank you very much indeed thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening
2: to the Delicious Podcast Extra Portion with me, Julie Smith. I'll be back next week and every week with more stories from behind the world of Delicious Magazine. Do let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast by getting in touch through any of the Delicious Magazine social media channels.
1: And I'll see you next week.